Back at it again. It's Monday, April 10th. It's Chapo coming at you. Hope everyone had a good Friday, a great Easter, Passover, or any religious observance. Ramadan's uh, going on. Ramadan's still going on. This is this is the this is the, this is the season for religion, folks. And I hope everyone's having a good time with it. Uh, let's get into it for this week. I want to start. Look, there's, there's only one story at the top of my head right now, and it's a continuation of last week's episode. GOP mega donor and Supreme Court purchaser Harlan Crow and his extensive art collection. Uh, gentlemen, where would you like to begin with this? There's a lot of there's a lot of hilarious angles coming out of this story, including the incredible story of the Crow family of of Dallas, Texas. You've got um, every every stooge and sycophant who's on this guy's payroll in the conservative make work industry, all loudly assuring everyone that it's a completely normal thing to have um, several paintings by Adolf Hitler displayed in your house, along with his tea set and linens and a signed copy of Mein Kampf. Um, and then there's just, I, I don't know, the, the fact of like, what, what do we what do we what do we make of all of this? Because I, I, there's just too much stuff here to talk about. Where do we begin? I get, I'll, I'll, OK, I'll begin this way. Out of out of all the commentary on this, I think the funniest aspect to me is the defense of having a collection of like paraphernalia of the Third Reich and displaying it in your house as a solemn reminder of the evil that men are capable of. <laughs> Because it's like, what do you do? Like you're walking around your house looking at Hitler's uh, napkins and you're just going, God, the, the evil that humanity is capable of. And then like you need to remind your dinner guests every time they come over when you're, you know, uh, is it, and then also the idea that, um, I, I mean, I take it for granted that right wing billionaires all have Hitler shit knocking around their house. Well, it's not just the Hitler, for me. It's not just the Hitler stuff. Like it, it, the totality of what he has is so fascinating. He's got the uh, Garden of Evil. He calls it which Garden is, of Evil. He's 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 turned all of the great uh, dictators and figures of uh, 20th century into uh, lawn ornaments, into garden gnomes. <laughs> he is a replica of Hagrid's groundkeeper's hut from fucking Harry Potter. Is that in the Garden got, of Evil? He's got a. He, that's to remind him of all the horrors that Hagrid committed. Uh, yeah, and he's also got a '50s malt shop to remembering the horrors of segregation and uh, the Big Bopper. Yeah, but for me, the totality of it. When you look at all the crap he has, to me, it's like this guy is. I'm sorry, he's not a Nazi. His head is. He has nothing in his head but fucking rich dad, poor dad books. And minions memes about the entrepreneurial spirit. That is it. He has no hollow earth theories about the origins of the Aryan race. He has no stormy visions of Aryan destiny. It's just a fucking ukulele playing uh, moose that's like just spits out Margaret Thatcher quotes that he saw on the internet. It's just, it, like the banality of this. Like he looked at the the horror and sweep of the 20th century that that like churned up him as this like final figure of it. This like billionaire who's sitting at the end of all ideology and all of history and just like I'm gonna collect them all like fucking Pokemon. And like he <laughs> looked at Hitler and Hitler like this black sun in the sky and it's just like I'm gonna turn that into a beer coaster. 
I'm going to turn it into more crap that I own. And the thing is, is his agenda is is every bit as genocidal and horrifying as Hitler's. He will absolutely pay money and sign off on policies that are going to kill billions of people, but it won't even be because of any deep, you know, traumatized vision of uh, of racial purity. The the side Hitler book he has, Mein Kampf, that means my struggle. This bitch has never struggled one minute of his life. He's a fucking real estate billionaire whose dad gave him his fucking empire. And now he just uses the money to hang out with cool. He's like a guy who, if he didn't have any more money, he would be one of those guys who goes to Politicon or whatever that thing is. (laughs) Remember that incredibly depressing convention we've talked about going to i think we got invited to it once i don't know if they still do it you guys remember what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like all all of your stars from the news are there he would be there if he didn't have a billion dollars to just have them come to his house like that's it like that that to me that is so much more bone chilling that like there is no great uh apocalyptic demonic uh spirit animating this guy with all the power he has it's just a, an incredibly banal American real estate dickhead who just like, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I, got yeah, Hitler, yeah. I got Hitler's mug that I drink out of sometime. <laughs> yeah, you know all that stuff that happened? And now it is literally just souvenirs. I live in a yeah, giant yeah, souvenir the, shop the, the, of the 20th century. Yeah, the extent of this guy's study of Hitler, it, it's not like he's one of those guys who's like into the Sonnenrad and like knows all the ceremonies for um summoning uh santa claus or like is going to conduct an order of nine angles ritual to find rudolph the red-nosed reindeer's nose (laughs) any of the real nazi esoterica his the extent of his nazi and hitler knowledge is you know either those airport books that are like hitler the most evil man yeah or like the evil air force inside the nazis planes <laughs> yeah. uh, or you know those those history channel shows that are like hitler coffeeholic <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. that's the thing everyone's like the, who would have this in their house i hate to break it to you most of your dads and granddads yeah. if they had that kind of money would absolutely have a signed mind comp would absolutely have hitler's uh hitler's china in their house because it'd be neat yeah i mean like uh, it's, your, it's your point, Matt, about like the, this Dallas, like, you know, scion of like the biggest landlord in the country or whatever is like the end point of history. And like all of the horrors of the 20th century, be they like, you know, communist or fascist authoritarianism and tyranny and the killing fields of Eastern Europe or Auschwitz or whatever. But, that, like he is the uh, the inheritor and beneficiary of, of all of this. And it's like I think he collects these artifacts of powerful men throughout history because he's like. <laughs> by owning Winston Churchill's pipe, I can become him. Like that, there are totems of power that I can sort of like appropriate for myself. And like if I if I keep it in my house, that like you know, like I I I am the the sum total of the 20th century. It's the opposite. I think it's 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 not it's not taking their power. It's destroying their power. They have no power. I own their shit. They have been turned into commodities that I can just buy and have in my house. They are nothing. I am everything. And all I am is just a vacant consumer robot and it with a remi- billion dollars and control of the Supreme Court. It reminds me of um, there was this uh, article, this profile of Dana White in like ESPN or magazine or Sports Illustrated. And I took note that he had in his office, among other things, like a suit of armor and a samurai sword. There were two Colt 45 pistols. Uh one with the Old Testament engraved on the handle and one with the New Testament engraved on the handle. <laughs> and Dana, Dana White is in, 
yeah, Dana White isn't like religious, just like this guy's in a Nazi. He's just so fucking stupid. He's like, yeah, uh, this was this was actually the gun that Moses owned. And that now, <laughs> now I get to buy Moses. It's the same thing. It's the same tackiness. <laughs> these are the guns that Moses dual welled in the desert. Yeah, these these are the guns that were passed down from Abraham to Moses to the Boondock Saints. <laughs> and then Harvey Weinstein bought them from the Boondock Saints after Troy Duffy's bar closed. Now I have them. <laughs> I actually, you know, people don't know this, but I I actually have glassware from Troy Duffy's bar in my house. You know, just to remind me of the evils of the 20th century. <laughs> yeah, I I have the Broods LP on wax. <laughs> <laughs> to, remind me, to remind me of the good parts of the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just, um, I, I mean, like, look, I, I don't think it's all non-ideological because I think a telling no, I mean, detail, he's, a, he's a reactionary, but, like, there's, yeah, no, yeah. there's nothing behind it. Okay, but like, what, people I, want I there to be I think, big, big ideas so that that implies that there's other big ideas that are in conflict with it. There's nothing. There's no <laughs> ideas anywhere. There's just these shell people on top of money, and the money does all the work, and they get to pretend they're in charge, and it's like we talked about with fucking Karen Summers. He's going to rule this way anyway. Like, the, this is all just, they're along for the ride. And they're lucky enough to be in, in the catbird seat to be able to buy, uh, to, to be able to buy Hitler's uh, uh, cocaine spoon and, and meet all their cool friends from the news. And that's it. Meanwhile, like the world is being drained of its fucking life force and turned into a, a giant pile of dead commodities. I, I think it's of note, though, that like it, to contrast the garden of evil, which contains like uh, real statues, like uh, you know, secreted out of like former Soviet countries of like uh, you know Stalin or Lenin or Tito's Yugoslavia or Che Guevara or whatever. Like that's in his Garden of Eden, but in his home, where, like he displays Hitler's paintings in a room without any context, alongside works by Renoir. Norman Rockwell and George W. Bush. Okay, okay, okay. So I think that speaks I, 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 to something about whether like the the evil know, that he keeps I, in his house versus what he se segregates in the Garden of Eden. I actually evil, know what rather. that. I know exactly what that speaks to. If you've seen Hitler's paintings, they're like very shitty attempts yeah. at like realistic drawings, hotel of castles art. that he saw. Yeah, exactly, hotel art, and it is Hitler's art is actually like a great insight into the reactionary mind because it is. To this day, what reactionaries think like good art should be mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, that's a great picture of a castle. It looks just like it. Yep. Not, nothing and woke it, about that. Yeah, <laughs> it should just, just be a picture like, of a castle. Yeah. Like, it should just be like nice pictures of cool buildings from history. And they're good because they're old like that. That is the full extent of reactionary art. And he probably like someone, someone like in his foundation probably bought Hitler's art as like a tax write-off and figured he'd like it because he has so much goofy Nazi shit. Like he has Hermann Goering's bedpan and everything. <laughs> uh, or uh, Himmler's Lupe Fiasco glasses. And he just, but he probably just saw it and was like, that's a great painting of a castle. Can we sponsor <laughs> this young artist? Can we give this, whoever painted this, can we give them the Harlan Crow scholarship? For fine art. If I wanted, if, if I was going to get a piece of Nazi memorabilia, I would want H Himmler's little Millhouse glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are good. Uh, which, uh, which is why, by the way, by Paul Verhoeven cast, um, what's his name, uh, Kurtwood Smith as Boddicker in RoboCop, is because his glasses reminded him of Himmler. <laughs> I would. Um, um, I think the best memorabilia, the best Nazi for memorabilia, is Goering. 
Goering had like the why he he lived like the fullest life out of it's any true, of the Nazi yeah. high command fighter pilot. Fighter pilot. He was the first guy. I think in modern history, he was the first guy who was known as being really handsome and then got really fat. Mm-hmm. He was sort of the blueprint for like Val Kilmer, or Marlon Brando. Yep. I like his his like morphine kit, like his little yeah. works that he carried around with him. That'd be fun. My favorite detail about uh, Goering is they weaned him off of morphine for his trial and then sentenced him to death. And then he killed himself before. Like, it's just a series of people doing unnecessary things. Well, it's like how they, they uh, uh, Tojo tried to kill himself uh, and they stitched him up so that they could execute. Him. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's like they want to die on their own terms versus. No. Yeah. Like Himmler, Himmler or Goering wanted uh, them to do a firing squad like a soldier. And they're like, no, we're going to hang you fatly. And he was like, <laughs> oh, I'll show, I'll show you a stupid death. <laughs> I'm going to tell some hayseed from Ohio how cool I think he is. And he's going to slip me some prussic acid to bite down on. I always wonder about that. How did the dumbass guard get cyanide for him? <laughs> There's probably a lot of it. All those, all, all the like guys in, uh, you know. The, the OSS was like corralling for Project Paperclip, probably like, I thought I was going to have to use this. That was the start of the freaking movement was soldiers <laughs> dumpster diving for cyanide dumpster capsules. Discarded cyanide pills. Yeah. It, 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 I just like, I appreciate um, all of the like very heavy handed defenses of this idiot. I mean, and like, by the way, like that's how, you know, all of these guys are on the payroll is cause like they're defending this guy when it is like deeply humiliating to do so. And they're not just saying, look, he's a rich idiot uh, who thinks this shit is cool. They're saying, no, he like, he needs he's to have all this stuff in, in a private, in a private residence so that we can understand, you know, like, like the evil that, that we have overcome in the 20th century. It's just like, read a fucking book. You know, or donated to a museum. Like, what the fuck? Like, why do you need to have this shit in your house? And then, like, he's That's really doing it to like impress his guests and shit like that. Like, that is yeah. They're they're in a fight. They can't just say like, look, he's he has nothing in his head. He's he's a hollow man because they have to be invited to his uh, giant fireplace so that they can talk about entrepreneurship and skull sizes after they've had a few extra sherries. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I mean, I, I like that this I like that this story has sort of reintroduced uh, Charles Murray to the news cycle, who dedicated not one, but two books that are all titled like The Hierarchy of Race, <laughs> A Genetic Destiny of Humanity, <laughs> uh, to Harlan Crow. And he, Harlan Crow also has a painting uh, by the photorealistic painting of him hanging out with Charles Murray. God, those paintings suck dick. They're terrible. That's like sub Back to the Hitler painting thing. He's just a fan of terrible art. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see what representational art? Did you see what Charles Murray wrote in like, yeah, one of those books that's called like, you know, the the multicultural typhoon or one of those, (laughs) uh, like one of those late period Murray books where he's just kind of phoning it in. He wrote something so fucking lame. Like he had clearly just watched Stand By Me or one of those movies. It was, um, to Charles Krauthammer and Carlin Crow. It turns out I did have brothers after all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you're you're a 97 year old who is in the Phoenix program. <laughs> yeah, fuck? he was. What the fuck is this? Are you are you is this like are you like leaving summer camp? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? 
it sort of reminds me of uh, like like Mark Sanford when he had that affair and wrote those like you know sappy saccharine love letters, and it just seems to me like this is a guy in his like I don't know what late fifties or whatever who is experiencing like romantic love for the first time in his life, and yeah, I think yeah. guys like Charles Murray who have been doing you know uh, burning crosses straight to the Phoenix program to the you know skull science division of the conservative intelligentsia sphere. Um, is just yeah, like has has a summer camp friends for the first time in his life at eighty years old. <laughs> yeah, and they're Charl and they're fucking. <laughs> they're wheels. Crowd hammer. <laughs> my 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 two cool brothers that go on that we go on mischief sprees together. <laughs> we have shenanigans. Me, Charles Crowdhammer, and Harlan Crow. My we'll go to a Walmart brothers. parking lot and we'll throw Charlie into one of the shopping carts and just zoom him into a fucking minivan. <laughs> Jackass style. I love that uh, Charles Murray also said, you know, it's uh, everyone who's criticizing Harlan Crow. The thing in common is they don't know him. Everyone who knows him thinks it's great. I'm sorry. When you got a when you're a billionaire, that will never fly because literally everyone who knows you wants something from you. <laughs> so it's like hey these guys who are like going to his house with like a bucket hoping he'll like dr absentmindedly drop some Krugerans in there think he's a great guy yeah <laughs> that it literally everyone who defended him like works has worked in an organization single-handedly funded by him for the yeah. last 30 years i did did you uh did you including see the, uh, the supreme uh, court <laughs> yeah did you did anyone happen to see the revelation that um Hakeem Jeffries. Yep. Yes. Went to, yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 He went to a turn up, a Harlan Crow turn up function. Okay. Okay. Did you get this detail? Do you know where he uh, was uh, feted by Harlan Crow? No. Where? At the Harlan Crow office complex, which is Dallas's Parkland Memorial Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> There's another historic property in, in the Crow portfolio. Uh, I guess uh, JFK's brain is also part of his collection. <laughs> Could be. Oh, Could his be. brother is a human trafficker, apparently? Yeah, uh, one of his brothers. Okay, I, I was going to get into this because uh, his brother, uh, uh, Robert, his older brother, uh, Robert Crow, uh, there's a great Texas Monthly piece about how his divorce from an actress and this is a real like goofus and gallant story about billionaires. It's like the goofus Harlan Crow spends his money on Hitler's teapot and uh, Winston Churchill's, you know, a uh, pipe or whatever. The gallant uh, Robert Crow spends one point seven million dollars a month freebasing cocaine and hiring high class escorts from <laughs> Heidi places like uh, like pimp or mentor. Uh, the stories in the uh, the the bits in the um. Uh, the wife, Amelia, says, it says uh, this is from the Texas Monthly piece. Amelia finds herself slogging through the crowded divorce docket. 13 judges preside in this court where 25,000 family law cases are filed each year, fighting Bob Crow for money to continue her $140,000 a month lifestyle. The Crow divorce is a nasty war. Amelia claims that Bob is a cocaine addict who has threatened to kill her and himself and spends thousands of dollars a week hiring expensive prostitutes from Alex Adams, also known as Madam Alex, which is uh, mentioned in um, Molly Lambert's uh, Heidi World, uh, who has been charged with pandering and pimping by the Los Angeles district attorney. Bob's side of it is that Amelia married him only for his money. He has accused her of sleeping with many men, including one of the actors in Judgment. Uh, Judgment? I mean, this is another What's really that? great... I, I don't yeah, know the movie... That sounds like a Paramount Plus show to me. I'm looking yeah. it up. 
Uh, so the, another detail in the piece is in May 1989, Crow hired his own security guard, Dwayne Cochran, a former professional bounty hunter, to follow Amelia and obtain information about her social life. Cochran said in a statement that Crow asked him to tap Amelia's telephone and to place a tracking device on her car. But he never did those things because Bob Crow was intoxicated when he issued the instructions and Cochran wasn't sure he actually meant what he said. Cochran also testified that he had witnessed Bob freebasing cocaine. Cochran bought Bob several weapons, including a street sweeper, a 12-gauge shotgun used for rapid fire of large bullets, as well as a blowgun and grappling hook. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine this fat fucking cokehead shooting a grappling hook up the side of like a wall and then just climbing it like Adam West as Batman. <laughs> uh, because this here, um, uh, in, in court, Cochran described fantastic schemes that Bob had devised to hurt Amelia. Once Bob talked about taking a photograph of a nude woman in front of a helicopter and superimposing Amelia's face on it and then circulating the photo around Los Angeles to damage her reputation. That is, that is amazing cokehead thinking. That is amazing cokehead logic. Wait, why the helicopter? Does it ever explain I have no why idea. the helicopter is important? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I think, uh, once again, because it's pretty cool, <laughs> helicopters are inherently cool. It might be the coolest form of transportation. How old is the uh, cokehead crow? Uh, he was pretty old at this point. Yeah, he's actually incredibly like the justified crows. <laughs> yes. This is yeah. if Dewey Crow actually got a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, it says here, in, in his written declaration, Cochran described overhearing a conversation in which Bob discussed kidnapping Amelia and taking her to a remote ranch so that he could get to her whenever he wanted to have her. Cochran testified that Bob often was just blabbering and that while he didn't take Bob's threats seriously, I was worried that other people in the room might take it seriously. He also... <laughs> He also uh, like in, like in like divorce documents or something like there's something about like a contract that he tried to get his ex-wife to sign to fuck him 50 times a week. See, th this is this is this is billionaire excellence. Like this yeah. is what you do when you have zero brain cells and like 10 billion dollars. Yep. Just shr absolutely fucking shred your pleasure centers. Uh, annihilate. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, how, like, man. every week, just another one of these freak families just pops out of the woodwork. And you're like, oh, yeah, these are the people who actually uh, are able to command influence somewhere. It's awesome. And you, you don't even know, we don't even know a fraction of them. There are probably a few that are, you know, have better enough, oh, a good enough OPSEC to completely stay off the radar. I mean, these, this guy's been, like, running around on a, doing grappling hook stunts on a helicopter, and we never heard of him before now. Oh, there's a, yeah. so there are six children of Tremel Crow Sr. And I presume this to be the youngest one. Stuart Crow, born in 1959, is a Formula 3 driver. What the fuck is Formula, Formula 3? 3. <laughs> <laughs> Millhouse ass racing league. <laughs> uh, it's actually better than Formula 1. Yeah, like, you know. Uh, uh, Formula <laughs> 3 is Mario Kart. <laughs> It's, it's a Mario Kart tournament. The, the, the fundamentals are more important in Formula 3. It's not <laughs> yeah. all about the engine. You know, yeah, the this, driver really shines. Yeah, this, it's, it's, yeah. it's a go-kart, sure, but, you know, they're very competitive races. <laughs> this is the NCAA Division 2 yeah. Formula Racing. NITS fucking race car driver. <laughs> so Stuart Crow <laughs> won, the, uh, won the Princess Peach Cup after uh, expertly deploying the blue shell to take the lead at the end of the race. <laughs> Uh, he hasn't competed in Formula 3 since 2000. 
he he couldn't even he couldn't even have his own Formula Three team. He's just no. he just raced for Dave McMillan all these times. Sad. Uh well, Harlan Crow, Harlan Crow. Uh, but yeah, like it's uh w- once again to reiterate, um, nothing about Clarence Thomas's relationship with this guy is going to affect his position on the court. The only thing that will affect his position on the court is if he dies, hopefully sometime soon. And he's just about the only one of those guys that is uh at risk of. He's got he's got that he's got the same basic shape as uh, Scalia did, and he's getting up there. He's like in his late seventies now, so. So any day Obama's ninjas are going to show up and suffocate him like they did. To well, that's what I said. Like, I think like he should be encouraged to spend more time with this guy and go on more vacations and like, you know, sip brandy and smoke cigars. I, I think that he should hang time. out with the other brother, honestly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like a- I don't know if Clarence have Clarence have to do crack for the first time. It's 76 and see what happens. Oh, yeah. Like Harlan or Trammell Jr. is sort of like an Uncle Buck figure. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea. I do like the idea of um, Biden like being sort of instrumental in getting Clarence Thomas in there and then presiding over his replacement when he dies of old age. That sort it would of, be fitting. It's sort of the Full circle, yeah, be yeah. poetic, or uh, being unable to fill the seat left by Thomas because of Mitch McConnell from his hospital crypt uh, prevents. Oh, yeah, it. is he dead? Yeah, what the hell? Has he been Is seen he in dead public? Yet? I, I, I he, like, heard he like fall down the stairs. Fall, fall down the stairs last week or something. It's it was a couple weeks ago now, and I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard of him since then. I haven't seen him being public in public. He's certainly not made out of the same shit as um, Chuck Grassley. He's much more no, feeble. He will live eternally. I remember in like 2017, there's a picture of him, um, sort of that part of the Senate where they always hold press conferences. And his hands were like dark purple. It looked like it looked <laughs> yeah, like horrifying. yeah, it looked like someone who had been doing like the least subtle elder abuse ever to him. <laughs> well, pr- prayers up for Mitch McConnell. You know, uh, Harlan Crow has just sent him a get well soon present of a cigarette case once owned by Joseph Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess like uh, the the other thing, <clears throat> the other thing I've been thinking about all week long is uh, thanks to you, Felix. Uh, I've been obsessed with that guy you found who says that uh, who had the bright idea to make shirt T-shirts making fun of Bud Light that people could wear to bars to signal their displeasure <laughs> with Bud Light. Yeah, the Bud Light boycott is really funny to me. It's it's one of the better uh, conservative uh, con- consumer culture boycotts we've had recently, and I and I love the guy who wants to make uh, satirical Bud Light T-shirts and wear them to bars. It took that guy a while to get there because he was sort of brainstorming through that. He started out with like. Oh, how about this, conservatives? Let's go to bars and tell them that Bud Light is trans. Just go up to strangers <laughs> and talk about that. And then I think like 10 minutes later, he realized like, oh, wait, that's like, that's why we've like lost a bunch of elections recently. Okay, how about a T-shirt that says, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it was something about, yeah, it was Bud Wiener. it's just like if you don't know what this is which i presume most people don't you would just be like what what okay is this guy does this guy want to suck my dick (laughs) what is this (laughs) bud light hanky code (laughs) but i mean like i i particularly like the idea of a um like like a like a beer boycott because like beer is like a perfect example about how like 
basically every beverage you could possibly buy or not buy is owned by about three companies. Yeah. yeah. So there, like, there is no way. That, <laughs> it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm forsaking all Anheuser-Busch products in favor of this, uh, you know, uh, uh, patriotic beer. It's like owned by the same Belgian conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And I, I also I would have no fucking clue who that Dylan Mulvaney person is were it not for like all of these people getting angry at her. I just, I've never seen this person before. Would never consider them. I have no I idea what it's from about. TikTok. There, yeah, yeah, there you go. TikTok yeah. people are now getting sponsorships. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-uh. Not on my watch, sister. No, thank you. Stay over there. I saw that uh, Matt Walsh like did a thread about this where he sort of like three posts in kind of like completely defeats the uh, the movement. By going like, look, we can't harm most of these companies or really any of them unless we just target one and only one. (laughs) Then we can make an example out of that one and then move on to the next, which is like, okay, if you've said that you can't do it to most of them or all of them, then you've already you've already like stuffed this movement out. I mean, that's not even considering that every company who's, you know, going going woke and going broke has probably already like they've already been through this and they've already figured out like how many people they lose versus how many people they gain or retain. And it's factored in already. I mean, yeah, there's no no way a company of this size did not look have all of this uh, crunched, all these numbers crunched before they decided to go with that campaign. They're not, they're not going to be surprised. And the thing I think that they've all realized by now is that no, boycott can ever be sustained not just because of the difficulty of wrangling people together to do it when everyone's just you know responding to social media stimuli but there's no way that you can keep people's attention focused on one thing that long there's always new shit coming down the pipe that people are going to care about more because it happened more recently and that you can't sustain the campaign because you can't sustain the story because Eventually, it's just another dead uh, fact that we drain of any juice and then we got to run to the next one. So they ne- they really don't have to worry about that at all uh, for anything, like any kind of uh, boycott from any side. At least I, I, I would imagine they figure that out by now. And even, I mean, that would be true if there were actual genuine energy behind the boycott. But right. this just seems, it seems all very half-hearted and lost. It seems like yeah, I've it, seen it, barely any videos of people destroying Bud Light. Well, was, Kid Rock Kid was the Rock. only yeah. had, had the main one where he was shooting up some, uh, you know, some cases of Bud Light. But even that seemed very, very half-hearted. You know, sort of yeah. like all these things. It's just this feeling of everyone's just kind of going through the motions. It's this like mm-hmm. pantomime robotic response to get the get the get the pellet that gives you the good brain feeling. Just a little, from the, a little bit. Just move the chemicals through your brain just for another day. <laughs> yeah stop just get that sluggish river of uh, dopamine moving well, the, the conserv the conservative movement in america does seem particularly sluggish and lost in a way that i don't think i've seen it in my lifetime i i, yeah, I that- they they seem to like not know why they won when they won and not know why they're losing now they seem yeah. completely lost and just fatigued well, I think one thing they really didn't assimilate enough is to what degree their victories were structurally enforced by, uh, you know, constitutional, uh, 
like the constitutional settlement and the and, and the apportionment of political power. And and they they mistook that for a popularity that they got intoxicated by. The prospect of being not just in power, which, you know, who cares, but popular. And they they got so excited about that. They thought, oh, there's a new uh, there's this new median, public median that we are now going to embody instead of being alienated from. And it turns out, no, you're fucking weird, man. People are freaked out by you. Uh, you know, like uh, as example of this uh, malaise that you guys are diagnosing, I was I was wondering if like uh, you saw today this this baffling thing on Twitter where like uh, like Daily Wire guys or all these like right wing guys were posting photos of themselves as like toddlers, and they were saying, "When you call me an alt right fascist, this is who you are speaking to," and it's a photo of them as a kid, and I was just wondering, what the fuck is the point of this? Like, I was a small child once. Yeah, like it could be said of anyone. And also even funnier, in the case of Roger Stone kicking this off, the photo of him as a child is like radiates palpable evil. Yeah, like <laughs> like terrifyingly like awful vibes come just just fucking wafting off of that. You can feel it through the fucking screen of your computer. Yeah, for half of these photos for guy like Michael Knowles's picture, too. A lot of them are dressed like if Paddington was a Nazi. <laughs> like they're just horrifying Damien children really weird but um, as long as we were talking about Matt Walsh I was wondering if you guys saw the other week uh, people were sharing it it was a clip of Matt Walsh's uh, Daily Wire show and it was shared and it was like you know Matt Walsh defends slavery and like having, having been sort of familiar with this genre I thought I could predict where it was going to go because he was sort of like I don't know like uh, either it would be about like a uh, African Americans are currently uh, better off than people who were, you know, weren't whose ancestors weren't stolen from Africa and uh, sent across the Atlantic, or that like you know slavery contributed to like the process that built the, you know, the wealth of America, blah blah blah. But no, actually, the the line he went with was that um, if slavery in the Western Hemisphere didn't exist. Like uh, through a sort of butterfly flaps its wings con con concoction of events, then like there's a chance that I wouldn't exist, which is Can't just about that. the weirdest. I, I could not have predicted that that were, was where he was going because it was sort of like, well, you know, like if the Holocaust never happened, like I might not exist either. I mean, you could say that about any historical event. Is he, say, is he saying that like um, it's like a Steve Martin in the jerk type thing? He's, like, he's, what, how so? he's saying he's descended from slaves. <laughs> I was born of, but we are. I mean, no, yeah, he's just we're saying that, like, of slavery, all of us. He, yeah, I mean, he was just saying that, like, if major world events uh, shook out differently, then like, there's a chance that your parents never would have met and that you wouldn't exist. That's such a great argument because then, like, nothing that's ever happened was bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah every, every, exactly. everything was good. Everything before your birth was good because it led to yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the narcissistic. Uh, Endpoint. Uh, that's why Harlan uh, fucking Crow could just blithely collect all these trinkets from the horrors of the 20th century. It's because, yeah, that stuff was all bad, but it's okay because it led to me. I guess that's the endpoint of American Calvinism. Yeah, like, all that stuff, all that Sturm und Drang, all that blood, all that horror. It's all been redeemed because it produced me. And like, also, it means that like anything currently going on in the world that you consider an atrocity or evil is like, who can say? Because I don't know, like in another generation, it could produce like, you know, the next you or someone better than you. So who's to judge? 
who's who can judge? Indeed. So I, I know we I know we've talked about this uh, a bunch recently on the show about like how absolutely fucked Ron DeSantis is, but like thanks to the Washington Post, we now have a uh, a news article uh, highlighting some of the uh, internal DeSantis uh, machinations about him attacking or not attacking Trump to uh, really um, underscore everything we've said thus far. But it's just basically about how. Uh, like he has no idea what to do or how to respond to Trump's indictment and that he feels like per- that the fact that like people in his inner circle were like taken aback and caught off guard by how quickly Donald Trump attacked him and then just basically didn't know what to do or what to say. Uh, it says here asked about uh, the asked about the case at a news conference on March 20th, two days after a Trump advisor criticized his radio silence. DeSantis accused the prosecutor of pursuing a political agenda against Trump, echoing many others in the party. But he also noted the allegations of porn star hush money at the center of the case, seeking to put a spotlight on Trump's personal conduct and show he was not going to be bullied by the ex-president. One of the people said, I mean, I guess like not, not, not too much more to say about this, but Ron, Ron is thinking it up really badly. Uh, I, I thought I was thinking about how like, damn dude, like, why don't you, why don't you wait? But he can't wait. He's fucked. I, I mean, I, uh, I guess we're learning that there are very few good, uh, if any Republican hatchet manner strategists. Uh, but the thing that struck me was that the Sanitas team was surprised that Trump hit back so early. Seriously. What the fuck? The only thing that you know about this guy is that any the first perceived disloyalty, not doing exactly what he wants, which in a case of a guy like DeSantis is not tell people that you might run against him is to go fucking all guns, the total destruction mode instantly. That's all he's ever done. It's like, no, he's not going to do that to me. Little old Ronnie DeSantis. He's feuding with like three quarters of his former cabinet and their replacements yeah. and his former <laughs> vice president. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to make an exception though for Ron. He's not going to come out guns blazing against him. Yeah. I mean, talk about all, you know, there are no more James Bakers. Is there like a single good Republican strategist? Maybe I mean, no, maybe like, look, maybe some team Mitch people. That's all I could think of. I mean, it was like they were in 2016, they had they were out of ideas. They were as out of ideas as the fucking Democrats were. Trump's, you know, saved them. Trump came in and was able to be this uh, incredibly entertaining figure who could transcend the dull sterility of, of uh, two-party politics, get people's eyeballs involved, vested who wouldn't otherwise be, g- give people who have written off the Republicans a chance to give them a fresh look, uh, and he was able to flip those red Rust Belt states with vague gestures towards protectionism, uh, and that formula gave them an extension on life that they've been frantically trying to organize around, but none of them really got that. It was just him. <laughs> yeah, it was just him. And then all the messages that they could read into about Trump's style of messaging or, or anything, they've just completely avoided. I mean, it's totally forgotten now, but in 2016, one big factor in Trump winning independence, I'm you could call it stupid. I mean, sure. Like most of the reasons that independents flip uh, are stupid, whether they're flipping to Obama because they think he represents a genuine sea change or this, which is Trump won a lot of people over because they thought that he was more moderate than Hillary. 
You right. can, you can argue against that, but that was the perception. The uh, lanyard freaks of the Republican Party have seemed to take in the lessons of Trump as being like, no, you have to be as like you have to be as out there as possible. You have to get rid of Roe versus Wade. You have to just you have to do all these incredibly unpopular things and juice the base. Yeah, they just they you know, like we said, they just they don't understand why they've won when they have. Yeah, you got to own the libs and you got to have swag. Well, true. And, you yeah, know, swag, exactly. swag cannot be the, the game is to be sold, not told. You know, it can't mm -hmm. be taught. Well, so you got it. You don't. I mean, Trump is like genuinely funny and he's not like a normal person. People don't relate to obviously don't relate to him in a normal <laughs> I, wait, me, way. Hold on. Can know? I push back slightly on that? <laughs> <laughs> like, but it is. Uh, he might be honestly uh, for the standpoint of normality. <laughs> he might be perhaps our most normal president. <laughs> But like, yeah, like no one. I don't think there is any Republican who could capture like the kind of spectacle that yeah. he he puts out there. Yeah, they just have the, the 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 policies unadorned, and the policies unadorned are spectacularly unpopular. And there's just no way around that. Yeah. So what they have is just like this misinterpretation of his success, which is yeah, you have to act crazy all the time. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at like in 2018 or the special elections before that or 2020, that wasn't successful for Trump even. But they're still doing all the like Bush era stuff where of like, you know, actually similar to the Democratic playbook of like put on this Carhartt jacket that every Republican candidate has shared since 1996. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the result is completely underwhelming, as we're saying. This, the car hijack, but I don't know, like, uh, have you guys seen, like, it, it's both Democratic and Republican governors now? Like, was it the guy, there was that shooting in Kentucky today, and the, the, the governor of Kentucky was there. All governors, all, they all have that, like, fleece vest with, like, some sort of, like, uh, emblem or badge on it, or, like, some sort of quarter zip fleece that was some sort of official governor logo on it. It's It's the uniform now of all governors. And they're wearing a tie under it, but it's sort of, like, you know, this governor casual look <laughs> that's being promoted these days. And I think it's trash. Well, the, I think they look like shit. The vest in general is a professional uniform now. Yeah. Yeah. The way that they are responding to this constructively from their point of view is at the state level where wherever they have power, they're just doubling down on structurally reaffirming it. And, and buckling down and like throwing people out of the other the fucking state legislature and, and whatnot Tennessee doing whatever yeah. they can get away with uh and so yeah that's why yeah if you, federalism's coming back baby I mean look what's going on with the uh the the um abortion pill getting uh, uh struck down nationwide by some looney tune Republican judge and you got uh the Democratic governors uh, saying that they're going to fucking nullify. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, as Stalin said of the Vatican, how many divisions does the Pope control? <laughs> the Supreme Court is our Vatican. Like, uh, enforce your own laws, asshole. Well, they, just, they have, know, they just, have a, an army in the sense that um, they're counting on a night at the museum type event happening at Harlan Crow's house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Arlen Crow owns a division of, of vintage Panzers. Yeah. He loves them. Yeah, the he's Pan got, all, he he's got like a up. whole terracotta army underneath Hagrid's <laughs> uh, groundkeeper's <laughs> Hogwarts and Luftwaffe are back and they're fighting against woke. 
<laughs> it's like bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. Yeah. Just like suits of armor marching out. <laughs> Another another funny thing that happened this week. Uh, I know you guys saw this. The uh, was it the ADL getting mad at protesters in Israel for comparing Netanyahu to a pharaoh, and yeah. they were like on Passover weekend, no less. And it's classless, just so funny. Utterly classless. Yeah, that's classic. Like uh, it's just uh, they only have they only have one move really <laughs> that's yeah. really it and i love that they describe the pharaoh as it like the pharaohs as as an enemy of the jews it's like what 5000 years ago what the fuck it's yeah. not like they're not talking about hezbollah now <laughs> like, you know yeah um i guess that brings up bad memories of prince of egypt for the jewish people <laughs> and it's it's also like so Okay, like if you're if you're doing that when Jeff Goldblum was Moses, yeah, if you're doing that in Israel at this point, like then like the only only Benjamin Netanyahu and his immediate family, they're the only people who aren't anti-Semitic in the entire world. That's the rate we're going at. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as like it's not even like the anti-Netanyahu movement is like a a peace-loving anti-occupation movement. It's no. like demanding enfranchisement for all Arabs. No, good stuff though. But I, I look, as long as we're talking, uh, as long as we're talking Hitler today, uh, there were some. Uh, the L.A. Times has some funny details about Kanye West loony fucking school that he was running for a while there, the Donda Academy. Uh, some former uh, teachers are are suing him, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, but but in the lawsuit, there are some funny details about uh, the curriculum and sort of style of education being offered at Kanye's school. Uh, uh, in addition to like uh, not teaching the Holocaust as part of the curriculum, I like this detail. The school did not have janitorial services with West barring the use of cleaning products with chemicals or proper trash cans, according to the complaint. Teachers were only allowed to clean with acid water and microfiber cloths. That acid is, I mean, water? Can, what? The fuck is yeah, that? what the fuck is acid water? Just like a like a watered down height, like acid, like it's just a few drops of acid in water. I guess, yeah. Um, I, I, who? How do you know? Do you don't know that that's not an even better way to clean things? That might make them more disinfected. Uh, what, the you're believing also, what, uh, you're believing what the mainstream media tells you about cleanliness. Interesting. The school also lacked a school nurse and medical supplies, and medications were stored improperly. One student's EpiPen to treat allergic reaction was just stowed above a microwave, the plaintiff's alleged. I, I, I gather that that's bad for the, the, the EpiPen if you Why? microwave but, it. Oh, it, you get superpowers off that shit. Yeah, he was trying to start Charles Xavier's Academy for, the, for new mutants. Yeah, fucking totally ungrateful here. This article made me think about how like Kanye doesn't have it together enough to do a Jim Jones type thing. He lacks yeah, the organizational yeah, no. yeah. skills. Yeah, he could never keep that many people together that long. In the in the uh, fucking jungle, no way. Couldn't even do it in like Beverly Hills with like uh uh with concierge service. What's he up as, to these days? Yeah, we haven't heard anything from old Kanye in a while. Did they, did they just put him in? Did they put him away? Is he like? Well, in a, he said that he's not anti-Semitic anymore because he he saw Jonah Hill's performance in Twenty One Jump Street, and he says he's no longer mad at the Jews. Yeah, no. 
that did his evil Jewish trainer actually fifty one fifty him? Did you, did that happen? I mean, maybe. Like as as Will pointed out, he said that he's no longer anti Semitic because of jo- watching Jonah Hill oh, right, on yeah. Jump Street. Um, I mean, again, though, that's just that was a that was what an Instagram post. Anybody yeah, could have made that. I mean, if I had to guess, it would be that he's on the depressive side of manic depressive right now. Right. Yeah. Because he's not he, a yeah, swing of the tur- of the wheel. Yeah, he was he was on a spree of doing like fifty podcasts a day where he says that like Hitler invented the iPod and the Zune and just like, you know, just this ridiculous outpouring of energy that you can only get by being incredibly mentally ill and a cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he started a school. Like what like <laughs> there you go. And now, I mean, maybe fifty one fifty probably just like you know the uh, just burned out and lethargic yeah just hanging out eating ben and jerry's yeah uh, rumor has it though that he is in seclusion recording a secret album that's going to be a masterpiece he's recording it in this studio underneath the uh the hagrid's hagrid's <laughs> shack at the harlan crow residence he's cooking he's cooking up something fantastic the Harlan Crow Kanye collab is going to be absolute fire. Sorry, just a few more details. It says here, as for nutrition, Donda Academy students were fed sushi and only sushi every day at school and were made to eat lunch on the floor as the school did not have tables. The plaintiff alleged. He doesn't have, okay, there's there's no nurse, uh, lunch tables, or cleaning products or janitors in the Donda Academy. I would love, I would love to interview any parent who sent their kid to this school, because yeah. they were just probably were like, "Oh, Kanye has a school. That's awesome. Can't wait to send my kid there." Well, like, are the was the academic side of it thing was that good? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. It was DJ academics actually. That was that was, <laughs> that was that was the curriculum. Also, students were required to dress entirely in black, and they were restricted to the first floor of the building because the complaint alleges. West is afraid of stairs. Now, Felix, I, I know I know you can relate or not to relate as someone for whom stairs were a big part of their childhood. Yeah, stair well, I mean, I think we found the root of all of Kanye's problems. His childhood lacked stairs. He either yeah. grew up in an apartment building or uh, the dreaded, the most evil invention ever in the history of mankind, the ranch style home. <laughs> Ugh. Donda Academy. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm still struck by your uh, the idea of a, a night at the museum style situation happening in, in Harlan Crow's house. Well, that would there would be that would be, that would be like, get Ben Stiller on the line now. That would be so good. I, I, I'm also I'm also returning to the idea of having a room in which you display the art of like in progression. Norman Rockwell, Adolf Hitler, and George W. Bush, because I think that's actually really smart and interesting curation. To show the evolution of a certain artistic style and mindset. Yeah. Uh, it would be, but it's like, unfortunately, the extent of that curation is just, he thinks all of those paintings are good. Yep. <laughs> his, his, like his, his evaluation of paintings is like, wow, that really looks like the guy. Wow. Well, I, I mean, feel hence, like I'm right in front of the, the building. I mean, hence the, hence the painting of him and Clarence Thomas that just looks like a photo. And they're just like having cigars with the boys. This guy, he would have loved Chuck Close. I mean, Chuck Close's art was much more interesting, but like the extent of his appreciation would be that it's photorealistic. Yeah, and it, the, uh, it, it's soothing if, if things don't look like 
uh, immediately a, a recognizable thing. You start getting a little antsy, a little sweaty, a little anxious. Like, what is this? What am I looking at? And then the not knowing, it not giving you that information just creates this horrifying void that you can't contemplate. You have to run away from as quickly as possible. And like uh, someone, someone shared the uh, the other art by the guy who did the photorealistic paintings. And I swear to God, he has a, a photorealistic portrait of uh, Alan Partridge, which <laughs> I, I would be proud to display in my home museum. I mean, that would be a real a conversation piece. I, I'd have the, I'd, hey, this is Alan Partridge's blazer from Knowing Me, Knowing You, next to Hitler's <laughs> Luger that he shot himself with. That would make sense. Um, but also like he does paintings of like, uh, like a classic cherry red Cadillac convertible looking out over a New York skyline being driven by two donuts. Like that's the kind of art. <laughs> like, that's a little too abstract for my taste. Yeah, yeah it's not that sort of like cars. Yeah. I, I could not see donuts behind the wheel of a vehicle if I looked out my window. So uh, I'm going to have a panic attack right now. I'm going to call my security, got my Blackwater guys in here and they're going to fucking just shoot this painting. And I guess uh, just um, one last thing that's been kicking around my head ever since uh, Felix shared it, and I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, Felix, the the video of Boozy uh, requesting a child with a wide (laughs) neck to be in his movie. Yeah. And putting out the call for, like, send me a photo of your, your, your boy's neck because I need a wide neck to be in my movie. I, um... If people don't have the pleasure of following Boozy, and it's hard because he does like get banned a lot, um, he gets he is always like just rifling through Instagram accounts. The best part about following him is the requests he puts out. He's always putting out very weird requests like this. Like he he wanted the wide neck child to play the <laughs> the child version of a character in a movie he's making, presumably who also has a wide neck as an adult. And that being his, I would hope so. Yeah, his most important. Unless feature. the movie is about that him losing the neck weight or something. <laughs> but he he's always asking for stuff like this. He's I've seen him ask for like licensed barbers who can come to his house, like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get the naked barber on the phone? I think he would have some ideological issues with the naked I barber. Would- unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the infamous Planet Fitness video. <laughs> Where he makes an impassioned plea to Dwayne Wade over, guess what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he. It's too bad because that guy can give a hell of a cut. I mean, that, 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 oh, actually, that, he's a good enough barber that he doesn't even have to be nude. He just does it for the love of the nudity. Uh, if anyone's wondering, the naked barber and now has sort of a, a permanent residence. Yes, you guessed it. Harlan Crow's Parkland office, <laughs> <laughs> office complex. It's an exact replica of Floyd's Barbershop from the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> uh, Clarence Thomas has been served by the Naked Barber, Jonah Goldberg, Charles Burry, the uh, board of directors of the American Enterprise Institute. They have all enjoyed the services of a naked barber. And, you know, like, I mean, there's the, like, and there, look, there is nothing hateful about that. It is important that we, co- that we contemplate an era before barbers were allowed to have clothes and what just capitalist entrepreneurship was able to create for the world that you could have pants on a barber. But, you know, I mean, like sometimes it's, we must solemnly consider the world before uh, barbers were allowed to wear clothes. Yeah. And how lucky we are that we can choose if we want to, to have our barber wear pants. We have to acknowledge that we've all fantasized about this exact situation. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking speaking I, I, of speaking of we've all fantasized about it. 
a special uh, uh we're giving a special um keep your head up champ we're giving our first keep your head up champ to the dalai lama who this week oh, that's not- this week <laughs> is in trouble for sucking on a boy's tongue everyone has made that mistake at their job don't don't let don't let people bring you down your excellency your holiness keep going yeah don't let him take your shine he he um he released a statement about sucking this boy's thumb or tongue without oh, see that's okay what, 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 is a he, what are you doing dalai lama never apologize he didn't allude to sucking the tongue though i think it's sort of like an apology by uh omission it's very clever probably did a similar thing sorry if you were offended by some tongue action that i participated in yeah he says um a video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting when a young boy asked his holiness the dalai lama if he could give him a hug his Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. Okay, you're skipping a lot of steps here. <laughs> like, I'm like, um, what you have in the in this screenshot of the notes app doesn't really address <laughs> why you should be apologizing. His Holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. He I feel like, yeah, this is this is proof that the Dalai Lama he's lost his fastball. He it's it's well past time for him to just like do the Yoda deal and just <laughs> yeah. yeah in his robes. <laughs> what are you hanging around for? Get another uh, Dalai Lama. Might, they might have some new ideas. Like you, your idea of like uh, chuckling next to uh, Bono didn't work. It's okay. You know, next time, ne- get back on the horse. Get back, get on, back the old on that wheel. wheel. Get a new llama. Try some new shit. Maybe get on TikTok. But this going to Davos in a fucking robe, it didn't work. And now you're sucking children's tongues. It's like good try, good effort. But yeah, it's time. It's time to just vaporize. They should do it. Like at least, at least they should have given him like a Westbrook type deal where he's the sixth man. He'd be, yeah, he can't they, be uh, carrying yeah. a team anymore. Yeah, they should have done that after he like gave Keith Raniere a special scarf. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was not aware of that. that. I was yeah. not aware of that. That there are like photos of the Dalai Lama just disp- like you know uh, bestowing some honor on the sex cult guy who paid him a couple million dollars for the privilege. And like, yeah, yeah let's be it, honest. It, it, I mean, like, in, Lama. Yeah, Lama, Tibetan Lama. Buddhism pack has been on such shit for back. a while. The, there's no way China's giving you back Tibet. That's the lost cause. Yeah, just like if, if go away and then come back as like a gamer from like uh, Florida or something who who brings universal uh, compassion uh, through Twitch streams of uh, Overwatch. Yeah, no, I mean another another huge L for Tibetan Buddhist cells. Another dub for Japanese <laughs> Buddhism. They've never sucked a tongue. It's true. <laughs> they they did considerably worse in uh, Manchuria in the 1930s. Oh well, yeah, but that's like, I mean, every 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 religion has everyone's done some bad things, except for except for Hinduism. King Arthur and <laughs> yeah, never his, done a bad thing. King, once. King Arthur and his entire round table, all Hindus. Yep. <laughs> I I love your new pivot to being a, a non-Indian, non-Hindu, Hindu Baba guy, <laughs> where you're just convinced by their. Their historical analysis. Yeah. Richard the Lionheart was Hindu. Yeah. Look, I'm not Hindu. I'm a white man. I've never been to India. I don't like Modi. I don't like his policies. I support separation of church and state. But any Hindu man of just average piousness can shoot a fireball. <laughs> it's possible. Like, look, I've I seen it. Yoga I don't flame. understand. 
I don't understand how it works, and I certainly don't approve of anything that Modi is doing in India, but cow piss is the my cure for cold every single time, and it works. Yeah. Shot of cow <laughs> piss, and bronchial tubes cleared instantly. You explain it. I'm against all organized religions, but let me tell you right now, Goku was a real historical figure, and guess what? He was Hindu. I mean, I'm just imagining Goku actually uh, does resemble some of the you know Ashuras from like the 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 Vedic texts. Mm, no, Go, Goku's not Ashura. He's he's a very nice man. Goku's primary characteristic is his innocence. But sometimes he gets super pissed, and then like an entire mountain gets leveled. Yeah, but he gets pissed because someone like harmed his friends, and he has to get pissed to find the Dragon Balls to wish the world back to normal, which I think is a pretty noble quest. We've all been through that in one form or the other. I was just imagining um, now that the Dalai Lama has, um, you know, uh, found himself in a, a, a little bit of a sticky situation for sucking children's tongues on camera. I would like to see like all of the sort of like uh, airhead liberal celebrities who uh, love hanging out with the Dalai Lama to start defending him like Jonah Goldberg does Harlan Crow by just being like, I have been to lunch at the Dalai Lama's house many times and I have sucked a number of children's tongues in his presence. It was all in good fun. And we did it very solemnly to, to you know, ponder the, the horrors of the Chinese conquest of the nation of Tibet. I mean, that, that please don't bring it up. That really shows, you know, I'm sorry. Look, you can bring up some bad things the Japanese Buddhists have done. It's too complicated for people in Hollywood to sign on to it, though. You have to give them that. And uh, Felix, you, you, you've studied Japanese Buddhism mostly through video games. Yeah. So here's the basic tenets that I've learned through games. Centipede, that's bad. Centipede represents rot. Flowing water, awesome. Still water, bad. Dragon, <laughs> well, I mean, everyone drag, that. dragon, great. The dragon's practically flowing water. Dragons, rivers, they're like cousins. If you see a centipede in still water, turn your back unless you're at a high level. And that, that's, that's all you got to know. Makes sense to me. That's done. Yeah. That's in the books. Yeah, let's, uh, that's, that's the way to close out this episode. If you see a centipede in still water, flee. Yeah. Do not approach. Get out of there. Get out of there. You're not that's, safe. Unless you're, that's bad karma. Unless you're armed. If you see a centipede and you're armed, you have a duty to your fellow citizens to open fire. Just close your eyes. Castle doctrine on all centipedes. You see a centipede. I remember the last time it. I encountered a centipede. Well, next time you do, just close your eyes and squeeze the trigger. Put a bump stock on. Just go crazy. <laughs> Well, anyway, I guess that uh, does it for today's show. Uh, Till next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.